Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. I'm Trevor Sikama. With me is Benjamin Solak. It is Fan Friday. I've been looking forward to this one for days, Ben. Days. That's more than hours. Multiple. We're talking multiple days I've been looking forward to this podcast. Okay. You're bringing down the vibe right now. I think I You're not excited. I think I think I spend a lot of time and energy and effort really focused on, you know, quality NFL analysis four days a week. And here you are just goofing around waiting. The most important podcast we do is on Friday. I've got the numbers to prove it. I don't believe in numbers. The math checks out. You don't believe the in math. The eye test shows me that the other podcasts are better. I, you got to get your eyes checked, brother, because this is the best <laughs> podcast episode that we got. This week for Fan Friday, normally go like super off the rails, and there are some questions that are a little out there. There are, there always are, no matter what the topic, because you guys are amazing. You got to keep us on our toes. But this week for the Fan Friday questions, I asked you guys to give us one team and one player, and Ben and I would create a reality in which that team is able to draft that player so some of them are a little bit more realistic some of them won't take as much imagination but other ones will be <laughs> will be very fun to try to craft up a world uh in which one of the questions that we'll get into like the patriots could somehow get chase young which i'm pretty sure most neutral football fans would then just stop watching the NFL. i would altogether. big cry <laughs> if chase big, young big sob <laughs> went to went to the patriots first one are you ready ben all right wait i are you ready? Yeah. No, you're not ready. Are you ready? I feel you're so disappointed in me so I'm far. I'm so disappointed podcast. in you right now. Let's do it. Who do you want? I will figure it out. Talk to me. All right. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Starting off with a team that I know very well. Team that brings people a lot of sadness. My boy Eric is trying to fix the sadness, and he said, how do we get Derek Brown on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's an easy one. You're starting us off soft. I, well, I, hey, gotta gotta ease up into it. I'm not gonna give okay. you the tough stuff like immediately. So Tampa's got to continue to not be good, which won't be hard because they're not. Thank, uh, come on, brother. Secure that I'm top right that fresh that fresh top ten selection. Um, and then it's I mean your biggest threats are, are probably uh, the Giants because Dave Gettleman is always a threat to draft a defensive tackle. A hog uh, molly, you, if you will. Yes, as you will. Um I think that you have to watch out for as well Atlanta, uh, who would be wise to invest in their defensive trenches a little bit. I don't think they'll go deep tackle though, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, but then besides that, like I don't know, maybe the I guess like the Dolphins could go anywhere, but they just took a first round pick on Christian Wilkins. So in terms of places where you have a young first round stud to develop you're mm-hmm. kind of already good at defensive tackle if you're in miami it's just weird to say so yeah i would say that tampa right now from that draft order that we project is probably a, the higher end projection for where Derek brown could go i know he's been making it to 11 right. in a lot of mocks for the cardinals i've seen him at nine to denver so mm-hmm. eight tampa bay as our order currently has it feels like the right spot yeah and uh, 
Namik and Sue is currently on a one-year deal, so they get, they're right. probably going to move on from him in the offseason. How's Vita Vea playing recently? Has he been doing well? The thing is that, like, Vita's better. He's a monster, dude. Like, the dude moves so freakishly well for a player that's 300, 330, but he's just not, he's just not this killer sack master. He just doesn't have that mentality. Wow. He doesn't. The great gamer tag. You know what I'm saying? He, he, he'll get penetration, and he will get pressure on the pocket on a down-by-down basis so often. He just he just doesn't have a knack for getting uh, sacks. He just doesn't. Can you, call me, can you call me Killer Sackmaster for the rest of the uh, show? I mean, only if you you know bring your energy level up. I'm not, okay. just, I'm not calling you Killer, killer Sackmaster sack here reporting for duty. I have not made a football play since the seventh grade, but that's fine. So, yeah, Derek Brown potentially with Vita Vea. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty... Those are two freak big men. In the middle of a defense. That'd be something else if they could get both those guys on the same defensive line. Eric also asked, do you guys go sweet grits, putting like sugar in your grits, or do you go butter or cheesy grits? Which way do you go? Ben, you're from the north, so I don't know how many orders of grits you have had. A few. Okay. When you yeah. got when you get there, I, you I, that's the thing is like or? I'm from the north, but I love like if I moved down to the south, it would be Which you to would never. gain a hundred pounds. Like that would be my objective because southern food is so good. So do you go sweet or do you go like cheesy? No, so I typically go cheesy either with butter or with cheese. Yeah. Um, which I'm just like I'm from what, from what I understand is like more correct, right? Um. There are more people that go like the salty side with butter and cheese. Yes. Right. Yeah. There are more and that's like, that I like, I'm pretty sure like the first time I ever ordered grits, I was like, how am I supposed to get them? And like the waiter, the waitress told me, you know, with butter and cheese. I was like, all right, then I'm getting them with butter. Normally, you know what I mean? I feel like normally you just get like a lot of that comes out plain so you can always decide. Right. So. But grits are good. And, oh, grits are elite. Did, you know. Dude, I, did, I yeah. didn't eat grits for the longest time when I was growing up. And like when like I had it for the first time. an idiot. My my family just never really made grits. I don't know why. And then we went like to, a bunch of idiots. Cracker Barrel or something one time, and I'm like, all right, this is the goat. My parents have hated me. Love Cracker Barrel. Don't understand. Mitchell asks, what if Tua from Easton and Love all go back to school? I love this question. That's you, a good question because is it a pun on Jordan Love, or is it no. just okay? All right, just, no, I'm gonna right, ease. Make, I'm, I'm easing sure. my way into it. So. This is where I've come from. Anyway, Tua is very unlikely to return to school, mm-hmm. right? But let's say, God forbid, I hate to put it in the universe, but like, let's say he goes to play against LSU at like 90, 95%. He's come back from injury, and he like incurs injury. You know what I mean? And then he doesn't want to come out. He wants to go back on finished business, you know, whatever. Easton could benefit from going back. Fromm could benefit from going back. At the beginning of the year, we thought Jordan Love was a lock to declare. He's not played good football. So this is got to take a longer look now. Potentially, you know, he's going to graduate. Very likely from Utah State as a redshirt junior. Mm-hmm. Now you have the, the the ability to potentially put him for a transfer as a grad transfer. Go play at a Power 5 program and rehabilitate that stock a little bit. So very possible. If this is the case. Yes. I still think you see three quarterbacks go in the first round. I still think yeah. Joe Burrow, oh, dude, yeah. Justin Herbert, and Jalen Hurts, who I've been putting Hurts in the first round of mocks with Tua from Easton Love, assuming all of them are, are declaring. 
Mm-hmm. I've been putting Hurts in the first round of mocks. I think Hurts is going to continue to enjoy the same rise that Oklahoma quarterbacks do as the year ends and as people really start to parse the tape that he's playing great football. Um, you're still going to see three, and then it's a question of what are the seniors who are interesting after that, which is tricky. Uh, you have a guy, you know, uh, two players who I've seen run for recently, KJ Costello out of Stanford, who's been beat up all year, but he's toolsy. He's got a whip. He's an ex baseball player. So he's got that sidearm release. And then apparently, one Jake Lewin, this from uh, Matt Miller Bleacher Report, Jake Lewin is getting run as a potential top 10 quarterback. This is a sixth year senior out of Oregon State. I'm sorry, top and Oregon State. Oregon State's finally got like a decent offense there, humming. They've got a junior receiver in Isaiah Hodges who can really play. And Lewin is dealing i mean he's having a highly productive season in the score sheet he's not making mistakes he's protecting the football he is not a strong arm he is not a big dude but i was garner Minshew up there in the pacific northwest you know what i'm saying so we gotta take hey, a garner longer look in like at the fifth round or whatever what did he go in sixth but that's the thing is like okay. you know we gotta we gotta take a look at Luton now to figure out how legit this is because like i said he's six year seniors he's been around for a while so it's not like we don't know him um, but, uh, you know, suddenly there's a bit more production. You want to see if there's been improvement there. So that's the look at that class. I still think you see three quarterbacks go in the first round. And I would imagine that, you know, Hurts is a potential top 16 selection there with, with you're expecting Burrow and Herbert to go top five. Um, so I like while it damages the depth of the class, I still think you're going to see a very quarterback heavy first round. I Yeah, I'm, I agree. There's never... I can't imagine a reality in which less than three quarterbacks will go in the first round. Like, no matter what. We've seen some bad quarterback classes, and right. teams have to re You have to draft a quarterback some year. It's just the, the way that it is. So, especially with, you know, a situation in a reality like that, the first overall pick's still going to be a quarterback. Like, it's still probably going to be Joe Burrow. Either him or Chase Young. So, maybe Joe Burrow will be top three. But if you've got a quarterback mm-hmm. going in the top three... There's no way you're making it 29 more picks and at least two quarterbacks going off the board. So I I agree, and I'm glad that you brought up some other names as potential guys. This say a nightmare scenario for draft fans if all of those guys ended up going back to school. They're still going to be running quarterbacks. It's still going to happen. I I think there's no way less than three ever goes in a draft class. So uh, one of the questions that we have is Tennessee Titans get them Jalen Hurts. How would that be possible? And do you think? You know, for some of these teams, the Titans are currently selected to draft 15th, right? I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to go before 15th. So it's not like I have to craft up a reality where Tennessee is really jumping up high to go get a quarterback. I think that if they they stayed around these middle picks, they'd have the chance to get Jalen Hurts anyways. I think the discussion here with the Titans and Jalen Hurts are, is that the direction that they would want to go at quarterback? Do you think that they would want to stay there because... If you're drafting Jalen Hurts, you're certainly drafting him hoping that he is this Lamar Jackson style, Kyler Murray style, even you know, Russell Wilson up there kind of a player that's bringing a run-pass option, bringing this dual-threat uh, game plan to center your entire offense around. The Titans kind of thought that's what they were going to do with Mariota, and for a multitude of different reasons, it didn't work. But now that the Titans have a chance to completely start over in any way they choose, is that the style of quarterback you think Tennessee might go after? Because I kind of think it's not. Well, right, so that's the thing. Like, I most recently gave Tennessee freaking Justin Herbert, right, out of Oregon. Like, are they burned? Are they just not going to go back because of what, you know, the issue was with Mariota? Or is it, okay, well, Mariota got... 
running quarterback. Here's my thing with with Titans and Hurts, right? One, Burrow, Tua, Herbert, all gone, right? So now we're in next yeah. tier, which yeah. I, to me, Herbert is still tier one. Uh, and I like, I'm not the biggest Herbert fan. No, Herbert like, is I've, tier I've one. Never, I've on. never had a first round grade on him. I don't think I'll have a first round grade on him after this year. Well, but from an NFL perspective, unless Herbert, you would, Tua, unless you would want to say Burrow and Tua are in tier one, then Justin Herbert is in tier two by himself. Like 1B, right. Yeah, you got like tier three. Which, sure, like, I can, I can agree say, with like, that. Right, if you're going to say, like, I'm positive Herbert will be the third quarterback off the board and Tua and Burrow are fighting for one and two, then yeah, he's like 1B. But I think, as of right now, he's clearly above Eason, Love, Fromm, and Hertz as the tier two, right? So now you have, you have one and 1B, those tiers go off the board, so now you're sitting there. Well, firstly, Tennessee has to consider looking at uh, another offensive coordinator, which this is like the 95,000th year in a row. But they they internally promoted the tight ends coach in an effort to keep the offense consistent for Marcus Mariota, as if like that was the problem, which I don't really blame them. He hadn't had a consistent offense, but they need, they, you, you need a, a, a new, you need a new wash, right? It's everything. We got to clean this slate and rebuild this offense. Cause we've been trying to like, you know, sew the pieces together and kind of like keep things uh, above water. And at this point it's time for a reset on the offensive side of the ball, especially when your defense is as good as they are. It's good defense in Tennessee. Got a lot of talent, three levels of the field. So bringing a new offensive coordinator, well, then this allows you to take a guy like a Jalen Hurts, who I would argue is a better runner, you know, tucked ball into his chest than Kyler Murray was, than Josh Allen was, Baker Mayfield was, pretty much anybody but Lamar over the past three, four five years to come out and be like a legit NFL caliber passer, right? Like we've had like incredible running quarterbacks declare who just weren't NFL caliber passers, but he's an NFL caliber passer. He's probably the best runner we've had come out besides Lamar in the past couple of years. And so you see what Baltimore is doing with Lamar. They're grafting concepts out of Lincoln Riley's running playbook. Well do it in Tennessee and take hurts. Cause I can promise you that's going to be effective much more confidently than I can promise you integrating Eason, Fromm, or Love into some other system is going to be. So I think that if Tennessee decides to go the direction of a young offensive signal caller with college roots, it greatly improves their chances of Jalen Hurts. And then as long as three quarterbacks are off the board and they're really in the mindset of that offensive reset, then Hurts is a very viable option at 15. The other question for Hurts, which is right underneath this, is Steelers getting Jalen Hurts. Right. Which and the people, Steelers are, people, people want Jalen Hurts, and I do not blame them. But the Steelers, the problem with the Steelers is that they picked 48th as their first pick in the second round because they traded their first round pick to Miami for Megan Fitzpatrick. So in order for the Steelers to get up for Jalen Hurts, who we talk, how they trade and to move up, because they don't even have like ammunition. They got to start, like, dealing, like, players, you know? Trade, like, Ben Roethlisberger to uh, Oakland for, like, that 16th or 10th pick. Like, you're trading your second right. rounder and Ben Roethlisberger to Oakland for 10 and 6, drafting Jalen Hurts, flourishing. That's my scenario. Not going to happen. It's tricky. Right, no, it's tricky because, right, so the round one is gone to Minkin Fitzpatrick, the, uh, the Dolphins. Round three is gone uh, to the Broncos in the trade-up for Devin Bush. You got a two, 
and you've got two young quarterbacks who don't suck, right? Devlin Hodges kept you above water. Mason Rudolph, you've won a couple games under him, and he's certainly keeping you above water. If you want to add a, a, a rookie quarterback, right, if you're looking to bring one into this system, into this group, then, yeah, you're going to move at least one of these players. So that's what it is, right? Now, the question is, is anybody going to be willing? Like, you're going to have to package a two, like your, your two in 2020, plus like a, a one or a two in 2021 with Mason Rudolph or Devlin Hodges to get up into the first round of 2020. So that's what it would have to look like is you'd have to start with 2022 and at least one of these young quarterbacks with a team who, I don't know, like uh, wants to add a developmental guy behind a Phillip Rivers or behind an Aaron Rodgers or behind a Tom Brady or whatever. You know, Drew Brees, they're not going to have a backup because Teddy Bridgewater's out. So you got to be able to, to turn one of these guys and be like, listen, you don't need a first round pick. You know, we're willing to send you this. That. And the other thing, you accumulate more picks. We'll send you a young guy to continue to develop behind your your aging starter but the two in 2020 and devlin hodges isn't going to cut it you're going to have to you incorporate a one or a two mm-hmm. next year as well yeah. um, so that's what that looks like which is hard uh yeah. which is why you know that's why there was some pushback because there seems to be a cognitive disparity in pittsburgh in terms of hey we need to rebuild with our young quarterbacks but also let's send a first and let's send a third and let's not have a lot of draft picks you know like that's a it's a tricky spot to be in. So they might be a team that just kind of has to sit out the 2020 draft in terms of big moves, wait until 2021 when they've got a little bit more capital. Please provide us with your scouting report on the cat. This is the nicest question. So please provide us with Thank yeah. you. What scheme do you see him best fitting in? Where will he land in the draft? Has He has serious potential as the scat cat position and special teams value as... <laughs> At personal protector. I see what you did there, Gage. Uh, May even sneak in on the feline. Look at all these Feline. Wow. Which I'm not sure what that is. But yeah, the the scheme is obviously West Post. Uh, That's his preferred scratching location. Mm. Doesn't like the East Post as much. Sun lands on that. Yeah. Uh, So West Post. And then where in the draft uh, does he land? I'm not sure. Probably the first round which can either be first with a lisp or fourth pronounced incorrectly. I hate you. Either or. <laughs> I hate you so much. Yeah. Uh, now, nimble dude, I don't like, I, I don't really think. Little indecisive though, you know? Yeah, he doesn't, doesn't have a nose for the end zone. He froze there at the two yard yeah. line. I mean, he eventually photo, got in there, but. That photo of him in mid stride. It's awesome. Is the best sports photo I've ever taken in history. It's amazing. It truly is amazing. All right. Um, Wesley asked, I did want to say this. Wesley asked top three Thanksgiving Day foods. We're not going to get to that on this episode because we're going to do an entire Thanksgiving-themed Fan Friday coming up. So I got to shelve that one. I got to shelve that one. Mitchell asked, Bears, Jake Fromm, how does it happen? Bears don't have a first-round pick. They've got pick 42 in the second round and pick 49 in the second round, but then no third round pick, no fourth round pick. It's not until the Big fifth sad. round. So do we think Jake Fromm will be there at 42? If he came out as we expect it right now, yes, I do. I think he would he would still be around in the second round. I mean, Drew Locke was there at 42. And Drew Locke, who I did not like, at least had NFL 
you know, like had like really desirable NFL tools. And I'm not that low on from. I'm like relative I'm not, to consensus. I'm not that low on from either. I'm really not relative to consensus, but for Chicago for for this quarterback class, I think he's more than likely to be there at the beginning than he is to go in, in round one. So yes. Now there is a question begging to be asked. Ask which me. is for Chicago. Mm-hmm. Trubisky has been such a limiting factor for you. Yeah. To the point where, yes, you don't have a three. Yes, you don't have a four. You're not You've got four. like two or three fives, depending on some other trades. You got a, a six, maybe another one. You got two twos. And that's what sticks out. From the Khalil Mack trade, you're recouping a 2020 second round pick. So you have two twos. There's not much that's that bad with this team besides quarterback. You need help at offensive line. You absolutely do. But I don't think one second-round pick is going to solve your problem there. And you've got free agency to address that. So let's say you're successful around March 14th, league year opens. You get you know some, some good veteran offensive line presence in there, and you think you've shored that up. Why are you staying at 42 for Fromm when really what will break this team open is a more dynamic quarterback. Is yeah, swing it open, man. Trade both yeah. the seconds. Exactly. It's and it's like, and I, I don't want to condone making no day one or day two picks besides a quarterback. Like that's a scary thing. You need to do a good job in the cap. You're really limiting the youth that you're going to get in the building, and you've already dropped how, a few picks. How high do they have to get to get Justin Herbert? Oh, I mean Herbert. I think I got to get top twelve. Do you think I'm thinking can? more like uh, with with two twos now, depending on where Oakland and, and, and Chicago land, they're both probably not playoff teams. These are both probably mid 40s picks. But I think that you're more so looking at, you, you know, like Baltimore, the, the Baltimore Ravens, right? They're sitting there on draft day 2017. They picked Hayden Hurst for God knows what reason. They know they need a young quarterback behind Flacco and they're just going to watch to see how far Lamar gets, right? I'm going to see it. And then all of a sudden, we're at 32, Philadelphia's picking. Mm-hmm. I want that fifth-round option on him in case he's good. Let's go up and get him. So yeah. why not if you're Chicago? Sit there with your with your two twos, yeah. have San Francisco on the line, have Green Bay on the line, have New England on the line, whoever it is that's got 30, 31, 32. And, you know, one of Jacob Eason or Jalen Hurts is sitting there at 27, 28. You know, Green Bay. Maybe not Green Bay because of the whole Aaron Rodgers thing. Maybe they want a young guy. But San Francisco, you know, listen – if you get there and, you know, Hurts is still on the board. I like it. Kid. I like it. You know, we're going to send you these two twos and a five. You move back 15, 20 spots. You still get, you know, the starting safety that you need. And we go get our quarterback of the future. You know, we, we, we try to make that deal. So that's, I think, it, you know, Chicago, sure, from a 42, okay. But I think you should make a more aggressive move for a more dynamic option because I think that team is close. Uh, Cleveland and McTelvin Aguim. This one's not very difficult. I mean, Cleveland's yeah, got uh, Cleveland's in the got fifth a, round. <laughs> oh yeah, Cleveland's got a second round pick, a third round pick, a third round pick, fourth round, fifth round, sixth round, sixth round. I mean, you could pick you could pick McTelvin Aguim anywhere on day three, fourth or fifth round, one hundred four or one thirty five. Just yep. pick, you you could pick him at the beginning of day. Has McTelvin been like really good this year, and I've just missed it? Uh, if you've missed it, I've also missed it. I I, I like this tape. Like he was fine. Yeah. We but, should bring up McTelvin a game as a like defensive end, defensive tackle, a little hybrid player. Uh, he's a big recruit there at Arkansas. He's long-term defensive tackle now. Oh, he has 8.5 tackles for loss and five sacks. He's having a pretty good season. Yeah. 
No, uh, I, I and, liked him going into the season. Yeah. I thought he was good, but I, I, I guess maybe like tail end of day two, maybe. But the, nah, the Cleveland's got Cleveland's got two third round picks. So even if right. that was the case, if Cleveland wanted a guy like Telvin game, you can get him. They got yeah, they got no plenty spots to get him. Yeah, you're good. If that's your dream player, you got him. You got a chance. Yep. Keep Scott, dream bigger, brother. Scott asked Washington Redskins, Grant Delpit. Now, this okay. is interesting to me because, and I like this question, because Washington's currently picking number two overall. You're not going to pick Grant Delpit at two, okay? But we already talked about when we buried Washington a couple of weeks ago on this podcast, had a funeral for him, RIP, press F in the chat. F in the chat. I said that Washington was a prime team to potentially trade down at many different levels. Yes. You could see a team like Washington benefiting from getting more draft capital, trading to, say, within picks 5 and 10, which would be the sweet spot for maybe a guy like Grant Delpit. Or I maybe you even be outside of 10 right. and get or, Delpit as or, well. Or Let's maybe, never forget that Derwin James went at 17. Like, safeties don't typically go in the top 10. Eight, you go 8 eight to 12, get a little bit more draft capital. Right. You know, they, they, But even if they didn't want Grant Delpit, they could trade down to multiple levels. So Washington is a team that I think could really benefit with trading down. And if they like a guy like Grant Delpit, this is a scenario where this is the perfect situation for them to trade down in which I think it benefits them the most. And so I'm glad that Scott brought this up, bringing up Washington pairing with Grant Delbit because it goes with what I think might be the right move for Washington on draft weekend. Right. Now, the question you have to ask yourself is, is Monte Nicholson that bad such that you really need Grant Delbit with an early selection when you're probably going to need a franchise left tackle? You definitely need uh, at least a wide receiver one-ish opposite Terry McLaurin. Like, McLaurin could be... You know, like, wide receiver one is, is a lost mold. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like, you know, oh, we need a big guy who can do this. But, like, you got to get more receiving talent. Um, so all of that. And then also, you, you're getting good play out of Cole Holcomb right now, but you probably could also use more linebacking strength as well unless Ruben Foster is going to come back from injury again and be successful. So, sure, you know, Grant Delpit at 8 to 12 is good value. Um, but I think you have needs at probably outside corner, if you're going to move on from Josh Norman, linebacker, left tackle, and wide receiver that, to me, are potentially more pressing uh, with the top-flight talent. I think that Nicholson is is far from perfect, but there are worse things in the world Listen, than man, having Monta Nicholson We're just here to create a reality to give the people what they want. Yeah. And right now, well, Scott I think your reality is and Grant Delta. Stupid. Wow. Scott, I would never. I would never. I could, I could I never. Do not condone it call that reality stupid all right ben here you go here it is trevor asked how in nuggets name could wow. the patriots serious. possibly draft chase young i'll answer your question with a question uh all right and then i'll answer your question by answering the question that you're about to question me with okay so you're cincinnati or duke tobin you sit in your office one day you get a phone call Massachusetts. Billiam. Foxborough area code. Bill Belichick would like to trade you Tom Brady. Uh-huh. You gonna send the first overall pick? For number one. You think Tom Brady would Tom Brady go for number one overall right now? 
Well, okay. If we're talking about ways, if we're constructing realities, no, I'm, I'm which, no, I'm just setting up a discussion. Yes, I think Tom Brady would absolutely go for the first overall pick. You think? Question. You think? Yes. If you're positive, you're getting Tom Brady. Man, I don't know about that. It's Tom Brady. I don't. I don't know about that. I don't think. Okay, if not Brady, for which young, for which quarterback would you send the first overall pick? Um, Russell Wilson. Correct. Aaron Rodgers. So you would say Rodgers, who's only a few years younger. Deshaun Watson. Patrick Mahomes. You're missing an obvious one. There it is. No, I'm just going down the list. I'm not, like, naming them in order. Oh, Sorry. okay. Um, would you do it for Kyler? Not yet. Oh, man. I mean, like, because that's a question of, like, you know, if Tua had declared last year, who are you going to draft, Tua or Kyler? And to me, I would draft Tua. I think, yeah, most would draft Tua. Right, so that's why, like, because when it's that close, you know what I mean? Like, we're not positive Kyler. Like, we've had eight games of Kyler playing in an air raid style. It's a little tricky for me. Would you, would you do, would you do it if you're, if it was for Wentz, if you were Cincinnati? No, I would not. I don't think so either. I think those would be my four. Right. So, okay, but you've got Rodgers in there, and now obviously, forty-two. Right, and next year he's what. Thirty million dollar base salary or something like that. Who like is he's that? Brady. Cost- yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. But and the, the tricky thing is you have to still have a contingency plan by which you're drafting a development quarterback behind him, obviously. But if you're telling me I have the potential to add Brady and just firstly be a huge draw for free agents, even if it's for just one season. Number one. Number two, significantly boost the winning record potential playoff ability of a franchise like Cincinnati, which has not won a playoff game in like 10 bajillion years or whatever it is. Sounds about right. Yeah, absolutely. I'll trade first overall for Brady. Then I'll take 33 as long as I still have it. All right. Draft myself a developmental player. So the only way, right. So that's one way is the Patriots trade Brady, which is, you know, overwhelmingly possible or two, you know, and this is what I brought up with Tua not declaring. Just something awful has to happen with Chase Young, whether it's injury, whether it's off field, or whatever it is. Um, and then you know the Patriots decide to go for it. But the Patriots are going to be drafting after twenty four, right? They're getting a first round buy, so at the very earliest they're drafting like twenty six. Chase Young is going in the top five, and the Patriots are not the sort of team that would trade up drastically to go get a player. It just no, no, does no, no, not no, fit no, the no, mold. No. We're not talking about logic here. All we're doing is yeah. creating a reality. We sound like 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 a Doctor Strange movie. Okay. There are many realities. There are. Uh, Cameron said Chicago Bears, just along the similar line, Chicago Bears and Joe Burrow, and then wanted to say in a villainous voice from Taken, good luck. This one's kind of easy to me. Hit me with it. You, it's basically the same thing as the top. I thought about this one instead of like the Tom Brady move. You trade them Khalil Mack. You're oh either, wow! You're either trading Cincinnati, Washington, or Miami. Whoever's picking in the top three, you're just you're trading one of them, Khalil Mack. So you trade multiple first rounders for Mack. Yes. 
and then you flip Mac back for Burrow for at least another like at least like a really high first rounder. Yeah, which gives you Burrow. That's like very interesting actually in terms of like typically you have flip multiple first rounders for the first rounder to pick your franchise quarterback. This yeah. is flip multiple first rounders for an elite player who you can subsequently then flip for a a top quarterback if you need to rebuild. Because like I'm sure when they added Mac, it was because Trubisky's good. But now it's, well, Trubisky's not good, so we need to rebuild. So let's move Mac and get back the first rounders that we spent when we thought Trubisky was good, or at least enough of them that we can go get Joe Burrow. That's mm-hmm. cool. It's like adding a middleman to the yeah, whole acquiring right. a franchise quarterback. It's almost process. like you just like leased Khalil Mac. Right. Yeah. So depending on what you get back, obviously. But yeah. And sure. you, you, you know. But in this the, situation, the you're getting Joe Burrow yeah. back. Right. And also, but the thing is, like, in that lease, unlike an actual lease where you have fiscal flexibility, you signed him to that big deal. Now you got to get somebody to go take on that deal in their books. Right. And not all, not all teams have the uh, space to just randomly grab Khalil Mack if it suits their fancy. It's true. Yeah. Next one's 49ers and DeAndre right. Swift. This one's kind of interesting because San Francisco right now picks 32nd because they're the last undefeated team. Right. And then they do not pick again until the fifth round. What? Is that real? 49ers are currently picking 32 and then 137. So the second rounder leaves in the D4 pick. Oh, and then the third and the fourth left for Emmanuel Sanders. Correct. Oh, Jiminy Christmas. They better get that first rounder right. So he he's saying this 49ers... I think it's 49ers fan. I don't know, Seth, if you are, you're just throwing out a scenario. He's saying DeAndre Swift. Can they get DeAndre Swift at 32? Yes. I think so, too. I think they could All stay right. pat at 32 and still get DeAndre Swift. Yeah, I also don't think DeAndre Swift is the first running back off the board, mm-hmm. even if I, I like him a great deal, and I think that he might deserve to be. Um, I do think the teams are going to like Jonathan Taylor. Travis and Etienne should be drafted as probably the first running back off the board see i'm not I, I have swift rated above etn and i have taylor nearing etn off this season um but i, I think mean, it was like the NFL. i was hesitant saying that because i have jonathan taylor's yeah, rb1 yeah which is you know i think i think that like i said the league's really gonna like taylor but the moral of the story is in order for san fran to justify this though i mean like i know they've got like a good timeshare there and you got matt Breida, Coleman, or he monster but like dude how many running backs do you need what is this? Yeah. You're going to have to... They and, definitely and do not need DeAndre Swift. Right. And it's not like you're going to become like a two-back set team with like two guys who can run because you're using Kyle Juszczyk as the up-back. You can't put three players in the backfield, not with Jimmy Garoppolo not being a threat to run. You can't run the wishbone. Like, what are we doing here? So, like, the yeah. But also, you've got to trade Tevin Coleman's contract, which I think Coleman's an $8 million player next year, if memory serves. Don't quote me on that. Um... And then, you know, you're justifying taking reps away from Matt Breida, who's been a really good player for you. So I don't think it makes too much sense. You would have to have significant change in the running back room to introduce running back as a need for, for, for San Francisco. But if, you know, it's it's there then and they want it, then go for it. Uh, all right, we got to hurry this up here because we only got about 20 minutes or so left and we got a bunch to get through. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Justin Herbert. This one, this reality is pretty easy to create. If Jameis Winston plays poorly down the stretch here, they move on from him. They don't franchise tag him, and Tampa will. Le- I mean, if Jameis plays poorly, Tampa is likely picking 
still in the top eight anyways. So they're going to have the opportunity to draft Justin Herbert if that's who they want. So it all depends on Jameis Winston. If he doesn't play as well as a lot of people maybe think that he's not going to play, then they'll be set up to take whatever kind of quarterback they might want to, and they'll have some wiggle room to either move up or down for it. So that one's not really a tough one to create. It's just all dependent on Jameis Winston, who has looked better at times than he has in the past. And so we're still up in the air here. This was supposed to be this giant statement year with Winston in his fifth year of his contract going into this this offseason. Is he going to get franchise tagged? Is he going to get a long, long-term long contract? We're still eight games in. And at this point, I would tell you he's probably getting franchise tagged, but... Word? Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on. No, at this point, he at this point, unless they fire Jason Light, he's getting franchise tagged. Heavens to Betsy. So yeah, yeah. So that's that reality there. With um, gotta be able to do things when it's time to do things, man. I mean, really. Sean, New York Giants, Chase Young. New York Giants currently selecting sixth overall. Got to say, uh, New York Giants remaining schedule. Yes. Just lost to Dallas, uh, lose to the Jets, lose to the Bears, lose to the Packers, lose to the Eagles, lose to the Dolphins. That'll be a hard one. Lose to the Redskins, lose to the Eagles again. Go draft Chase Young. <laughs> you gotta, you uh, you gotta be in the top five area, and you gotta play it smart. I think they're winning. The, uh, I think they're winning two more games. Beating the Dolphins, and then you know potentially the Bears. Somebody the, else. Somebody else. Right between the Bears, the Jets, and the Redskins, they should probably win another one. But, like, yeah, I mean, Chase Young makes a ton of sense in New York. Just mm-hmm. six ain't going to cut the mustard. How do they move? Do they have – let's look at uh, the other picks they have. They do have a second rounder. They do have 38. So, I suppose you could say, hey, if you really want Chase Young, we're bumping up two spots. We'll give you 38, and we'll give you 102 in the fourth round if, like, let's say they're picking six or seven still when the year is done. So, you're sending mm-hmm. a one, a two, and something else to move up? Uh, if I the mean, price is so. Chase Young, man, I think no. that has to do with it. Right. Who you're moving up for. I think that's the way to do it. it is just be smart and lose football games. Well, yeah, they could lose football games. That's that's certainly a way they could do it. Philadelphia Eagles and Jalen Rieger. It's all you, buddy. Oh, man. Uh, draft him in the first round. Now, I would not like that pick too much, which, as a fun fact, I generally have not liked the Eagles' first-round picks since Carson Wentz. Nobody really cares what I think, if we're being honest. Um, But at two, where if you're making the playoffs or if you're close to the playoffs, you're probably picking around 50, uh, uh, around 50th overall. That's where I think Rieger should go. But from what I understand right now, the NFL would be higher on him than that. Receiver class, and everything changes when the Fire Nation attacks. Uh, when when declarations come out, right? So let's say a player like KJ Hamler out of Penn State, a redshirt sophomore, declares, which we've heard that Hamler may want to come out uh, as a young player. I've jokingly said that Hamler's a better talent than than Rieger. That's just off watching him, right? That's just off like watching him on the screen, like you know, out of the corner of my eye on on, on game day. When I sit down and 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 you know, the league sits down, we all sit down, we we parse it out. If Hamler's better than Rieger, then now Rieger's looking at like around two players, so maybe you're getting him there. So Rieger's the guy who's stuck. We have to figure out this is again the wide receiver at a TCU who's just he doesn't get a ton of targets down the field because the bad quarterback play. I don't know where he's going to end up. 
Uh, me and the league are very different on him right now. We'll see kind of who ends up trending towards who. Um, but if you desperately want a playmaker like that, go ahead and get him at 20. I don't think anybody would blink twice if the Eagles really tried to add speed and playmaking ability to the receiving core that early. But Rieger may be a player who you're able to steal at 50, uh, given as a, he's got great athletic talent, but just given his lack of production, some of his shakier film moments in a really good wide receiver class. Ryan, as Jaguars and Tommy Townsend. Tommy Townsend is the punter for the Florida Gators. I was about to say. Well, you know, they got two first-round picks, so I think that's enough ammo to probably move up You probably have to pack the them three. together for the trade-up, yeah. Yeah, so you get into the top three. You could probably select Townsend, although it, you, you might be sweating a little bit there if you only get to three, and you got to watch is two other senior? teams pass him up. Uh, is Townsend thinking? I think he is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is, so. he, is he for sure draftable? Tommy Townsend? He's a pretty good punter. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think he is. Better or worse than Johnny when he came out? Uh, I, he's not as good as Johnny. I think Johnny's better. Okay. Is there another brother we should be aware of in Florida's program? I truly wish there was, man. Shame. I truly wish. Josh asks, Saints and whichever QB of Fromm, Eason, Love, or Hurts that Sean Payton would be most interested building around. I've so talked, about, you, I've talked yeah. about Jalen Hurts going to the Saints, and you have as well, right? Yeah, so here's the thing. I want that solely because I, my fever dream is a team that runs two quarterback sets like, you know, more than 2% of the time. Mm-hmm. And our best candidate is Jalen Hurts plus Taysom Hill in New Orleans, right? You put those guys out there and you're willing. We've seen Jalen Hurts run routes for Tua Tagovailoa. We've seen Taysom Hill run routes for Drew Brees. Obviously, probably, you know, Hurts is, as your first round pick is going to be your, your full-time quarterback when you go traditional. But you have the ability to put Hurts and... and uh and Taysom Hill in the backfield together with Alvin Kamara and really muck about, <laughs> mess around, you know, do do whatever the heck you want. Uh, it's it, it's a really cool projection. It's a really cool idea. So um, I, I think that that's fun if you're willing to lean into the two QB system. The player who I think he would like the most, though, out of that group, I mean, it's tricky because, like, with Breeze and Bridgewater, Fromm is probably the best mold yeah, comparison. Yeah, closest. But, but if, I mean, he would want to get, I think, Jordan Love. Right. If, if, if Sean like, Payton's I, getting any of these guys to sit behind Breeze for a year or two, it's Jordan Love. Right? Right. I think, I mean, sure. I think that if you're looking to push the ball down the field more, then the answer is Eason, which they haven't been able to push the ball down the field in the past couple of years. They got Ted Ginn Jr., on the, on the receiving core, Michael Thomas' average depth of target is like, you know, seven, and he's averaging nine yards of reception. Like, like you got to get this guy down the field more. So it's, hmm. I don't know. I, I, I think you have to look into getting a guy with, with more arm strength so you can open up the vertical passing game because that used to be a really big part of Sean Baton's offense. Yeah. And it's slowly been falling away as Drew Brees' arm strength has been diminishing. And, and that's okay. Is, and yet Brees the Saints is still good. Breeze is also completing 78% of his passes, so maybe yeah. I should shut the heck up. <laughs> but, like, you know, we uh, if you want to go downfield more, then maybe you're looking for a guy who's got that rocket arm, and we know that that's easy. Josh also said, uh, when looking at a team's evaluation of a player, do you have a value on a player's personality? For example, Chauncey Garner-Johnson came out of the draft. Teams did not like his interview, but his attitude fits perfectly with the Saints' yeah, young secondary and I think that it has helped them a lot. This is something that really goes into fit. And it's part of, we watch a lot of tape, we study some stats, but there is a part of the scouting process mainly getting to know a lot of who these guys are 
within the helmet, if you will, above the shoulders, who they are off the field, who they are as human beings, that very much plays a giant part into all of this. Not only maybe a team fit, but a culture fit. How likely these guys might be to attain their ceiling, right? So a lot of this stuff goes into it. You know, when you look at a guy like Chauncey Garner-Johnson, clearly a very... Very confident young man, certainly. A lot of people would say that he's cocky, too. And when you get into that cocky area, some teams don't like it. They think that you'll be abrasive. They think that you will be rebellious, maybe. And some teams are really afraid of that kind of stuff. When you have guys that might not conform to the culture of a team or what a coach might be saying. But for Garner Johnson, going to a, a team like the New Orleans Saints where... And that defense all about running your mouth, having swagger, being confident, letting them know that you're better than them, playing off of that energy. That was a perfect spot for Chauncey Garner Johnson. But it is very, it's a very interesting and almost unknown at times evaluation level of evaluation for these prospects as we go through. We can look at them on the field, but a lot of times we don't get these guys in the interview room. There are a lot of personalities that go unchecked when it comes to some some types of these scouting things. So when we get some, um, I guess like hints, you know, when when we hear about things from trustworthy sources about who how a guy might be, things like that, you got to take it into account. Right, and I think that if you listen to yesterday's uh, podcast with Jim Nagy, the director of the Senior Bowl, he talked about how with these guys, you know, as a scout, as the general manager making the pick, you know, the general manager is about to put millions of dollars on a check and hand it over. You want to know the dude. You know, it ain't enough to watch the film. If, you, if you're going to be asking your owner to spend that sort of money, uh, then you need to know about that person as an individual and what you think they're going to do with him, how you think they're going to handle it, and, and how trustworthy they are. So absolutely, like, you know, uh, it gets disparaged on the inter- in, interwebs, but personality is important and, and team fit is important. Now, what I will say is that it doesn't mean everybody has to like you. It doesn't mean that you have to, you know, be white bread, milk toast, middle of the road on literally everything. So you never hurt anybody's feelings. And, you know, Baker Mayfield went first overall in large part because of how he holds himself. That was going great when Cleveland was finally winning. It's not going as well when Cleveland's losing, but that's part of the reason why Baker Mayfield's so obsessed with winning because he's really grumpy when he loses, you know? Uh, And with Chauncey, yeah, I mean, he chirps and he's aggressive and he's obnoxious and he's, arrogant and if you've got a secondary that knows it's got veterans who've been that way for a while and they'll they know how to develop that and, and suss that out in a healthy way and get garner johnson making good plays then it's all sunshine and daisies it might come back to bite you when when you make bad plays and you got to be ready for that you gotta... personality is important but that doesn't mean you have to be you know mr nice guy everybody loves you be yeah, who you are right you know and and, and teams are going to understand that as best they can uh giants and javon kinlaw Let's start running through a oh bunch. Of, let's start running through a bunch of these Giants and Javon Kinlaw. I think Giants are in. You know they're picking six right now. I don't think Javon Kinlaw is going to go top ten. I think Javon Kinlaw is probably going to go right after where Derek Brown goes. So there's potential for that top fifteen. There's potential for uh, a top twenty, depending on how far you want to move back. I mean the Giants right now have that six overall pick. They have thirty eight, but they have a chance to just like Washington potentially pick up a couple other picks and still get a really great football player if this is the direction that they choose to go, which I mean, if you look at the Giants roster, they've got a lot of big boys on their team already, right? So, not sure they need Javon Kinlaw, but if they want him, they're in a pretty easy spot to get him, right? Because 
It would just be right. a matter of moving back a couple of picks, getting a couple of extra ones, and getting the guy you want. That would create a defensive line of Dalvin Tomlinson, Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams, B.J. Hill, and Javon Kinlaw, which, my God, it's incredible. But just, Why don't we build the whole plane out of defensive tackles? Okay, you know, I guess. Who's that? Um, Matt Fritz, Oakland, Joe Burrow. Oh, oh, do we not like Derek Carr that much? I mean, Joe okay. Burrow is better than Derek Carr, so. I agree, but I think, you know, Carr's been playing well enough such that it would be tough to justify moving on from him. That being said, two first-rounders? That ain't six, no problem. 10 and 16, move up to one. Absolutely. I'm putting Derek Carr and two first-rounders on the table for Cincinnati and saying, make your move. Because if you you're go. moving on, if you're if you're drafting Burrow, you're moving on from Carr. So package Carr in a deal with Cincinnati, give him a, a first to sweeten the pot, go up and get Joe Burrow, and now I guess you're kind of back where you were. Your offense is going to be good. You got talent. It'll be all right. Raekwon Davis and the Lions is the next one. The Lions are picking 12 overall currently. They're 3-4-1. and one. Lions basically have all their picks. They got their first round, second, third, fourth, fifth, an extra fifth, and then their own six. So their draft is about as, as, as easy as it is right now. They don't have to pick Raekwon Davis at 12. So this is another team where you could probably move down if you wanted a guy like Raekwon Davis. Move closer to pick number 20 if a team's looking to jump up for a guy that's sliding. But on the other hand, you could pick a guy like maybe Javon Kinlaw or Derek Brown instead if you stay where around where 12 is. So those are my thoughts on that one. Yeah, I mean, I, I like while I think Raekwon makes a lot of sense for the Lions, I think it'll be valuable scheme a bit more if you want to go there that early go there that early i don't do with the talent on your team and there's a chance raekwon's there when we turn around to day two so i wouldn't go early on it um but you can certainly try to target him and if you need to make a small trade up to go get him go get him i think their their defensive line's probably fine without him though i agree saints and dylan moses you can get dylan moses at the end of the first yeah and i would recommend getting dylan moses awesome at the end of the first. Awesome you're gonna want that fifth year option when he gets healthy brother Steelers and Bryce Hall. How high do you think Bryce Hall goes now with uh, with that knee injury? Right. Well, that's the thing is now with Pittsburgh, you're looking at no first-round pick, as we said, because of the Minka trade. And so mm-hmm. you're ending up picking around 44, right? You know, middle of the pack for the, uh, you know, maybe maybe 48. So you're 16 picks after your middle of the second round. Ooh, it's tough. I think, I think that question, because Bryce Hall is a talented player, but mm-hmm. an unhealthy Bryce Hall who can't go through the pre-draft process is not going to go ahead of Jeffrey Akuda, Christian Fulton, Travon Diggs, Paulson Adebo. And now it's a question of how good is Jeff Gladney? How good is A.J. Terrell? How good is you know Cameron Dantzler? Does Sean Wade come out? Right. These are the players that we start looking at because if those guys get drafted above, that it pushes Hall down, and now it's a potential grab. If he's there for the Steelers, to me, it's a no-brainer lock and stock it. That's great pick for a team. And they've gotten better corner play this year for sure, but I think Hall is a, is a huge boon for them in the mid-40s. Um, and we do know that corner's been a tough position for us to predict in recent years. Nobody really thought, you know, Sean Murphy Bunton was going to be going top 40, but there he went. So, you know, we, we could see some curveballs to push Bryce Hall down the board, and even with the injury, I think Hall is clearly a talented enough player to to recoup huge value in the 40s. Now, I will say Philadelphia took Sidney Jones at 43 for the exact same reasons, and that didn't go so well. We're combining two on this one because they're right around the same kind of hype of where you would need to draft these guys. 
Packers and either Jerry, Judy, or CeeDee Lamb. I saw this one before the podcast, and I was like, Lord, this is a this is a tough one. Pa- Packers are p- currently picking 27. You've got to get probably right around, shoot, <laughs> pick b- between pick five and eight. If you really want to pick one of these two guys, they've got pick 27 right now. you sure they're there, right. Yeah, you gotta pick t- you're picking 27 now. You've got 60 in the second round. You've got 91 in the third round. And it's t- in terms of like players that you would move on from, I don't, I don't know if there's a lot of players that Green Bay might package to move on from to move up that far, especially for a wide receiver. So it's a tough reality to create because... They basically got to trade with somebody who, you know, if if Tampa's sitting there between six and eight, and Tampa's keeping Jameis Winston, then maybe they go take a couple of picks from Green Bay, and if Green Bay, I mean, it would take it would take Green Bay giving up one of their first round picks, and then uh, probably one of their corners. Probably one of their young right. corners, Josh Jackson, Kevin King, Jair Alexander. Obviously, the better you get amongst those guys, the less you would have to get in draft capital. But, you know, you get a first-round well, pick. Say, and how's Kevin King been this year? I have no idea. Like, weirdly good at times, but I would not call him a consistent football player at this juncture. All right, so you send Tampa 27 and Jair Alexander, and you can get pick six. Not worth it. I know it's not, but that's the reality in which you can get C.D. Lamb and Jerry Judy. I don't know. I don't know what other teams drafting in the, that area would move down to twenty-seven. Denver's mm. probably not going to. Cleveland's probably not going to. The Giants probably won't. I don't know if Gettleman wants that. And then any higher than that, Jets, Miami, Atlanta—they can't afford it. So that's that's my reality. Does it benefit my team? Yes, it does. Suck it. Right. Jair I mean, first. You can have any wide receiver you want. Right. The, the, thing, the thing for me is like, Lamb and Judy are good. They're good, good, good. They're good, 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 good. In this class, sit there and take who falls to you. Of course. Because LaVisca right. Chanel is LaVisca right. Chanel. Right. That's a great pick. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. Eagles and Grant Delpit. What do the Eagles got to do to get up to get Grant? Well, that's the thing. Is like I don't know when I when I run mocks, you know, and the Eagles are drafting around fifteen. Delpit gets there sometimes. Ooh, you know, so this ooh, is a, ooh. right. Well, no that's way. the thing. Again, it's no safety. Way. You know, it's safety. It's hard, man. It teams do not want to draft safeties early. Yeah, they but Delpit's one of those dudes that they're gonna love in the interview room. They're gonna love Delpit. Okay, you know that's what we heard about Minka. Where'd he go? Eleven. Well, nobody can figure out how to use Minka, so. Okay, so the, my my main thing is this. Delpit's not a guy that you move up for before draft day. He's a guy that you watch. You know, you tag him as, listen, if he's around, we're going to start making calls. Um, it's what the Eagles did with Christian Wilkins this past year. But it's not a, a situation where you're going to move up for him preemptively, right? So this is if Delpit clears, you know, I don't know. Uh, the, they're, they're, he's clearly going to – he will clearly clear – Tampa. The Broncos at nine are tricky. Justin Simmons is on a contract year, and they currently have a corner playing strong safety in Kareem Jackson. By the way, Broncos fans are furious with me for pointing that out. Um, the what? I'm sorry. That Kareem Jackson's a corner, right? And they're like, he's playing well at safety. I go, yeah, he's playing well at safety. You want to know why? They're asking him to cover people in man coverage. You know who does that? A corner. Like, I don't know what you want from me. Um, 
Uh, he'll probably get by the Raiders. Maybe not. Actually, Mayock probably would love him. Going to get by the Cardinals. Going to get by the Lions. And Jaguars, maybe. Uh, Chargers going to get by. Titans, he's going to get by. Raiders again. So, like, yeah, like, you're just watching the, you know, the early teens, 11, 12, 13, 14. And mm-hmm. as he falls, you're trying to, to peg, okay, he's not going to get past Oakland at 16. So, I'm calling for 15 and I'm moving up. So, it, it's, they have to make an aggressive move for him. It's worth noting this likely means Ronnie McLeod is out or Malcolm Jenkins is out. Both Eagles starting safeties are in contract years. Uh, all right, we're going to get to some fun ones to close out the podcast. Dean said, congratulations. I love how everybody starts these with congratulations. Thank you. They're friends. Thank you. You've been selected to participate in the first ever Reese's Capture the Flag competition. You have right. your choice of choosing one of the following teams. Who do you select? Team Sleeveless. Coach Bill Belichick. Captain is Achilles from the movie yep. Troy. Rest of the squad is the U.S. women's soccer team. Okay, that's team one. Then team Empire, coached by Alexander the Great. Captain is Captain Kirk, I assume from Star Trek. He said the rest of the squad is the Minutemen unit from 1783. Ben, you asked whether they had muskets or not. Do they get muskets? Uh, Dean Olsen said no, no weapons, all tack. I also think it's very fun. On your Twitter feed, you would see your question about name one prospect name. We'll create a reality for which team drafts them. And then you would see my response, which is, do the Minutemen have muskets? <laughs> Finally, there's a third team, Team Pair, which is coached by Steve Jobs. Rip. Captain is Batman. And the rest of the squad Maybe is rip, depending on, Stormtroopers yeah. unit from Attack of the Clones. But no blasters, because he said no weapons. It's a very clear, obvious answer. Very clear. As there always is. Very clear. On three. One, two, three. Team sleeveless. Sleeveless. Yeah. Okay. Easy yeah. easy money. Yeah. Minute men, 1783. They probably all have gout and scurvy. They're not athletes. What are we talking about here? <laughs> I mean, they're, they're, they're impassioned, but this is capture the flag. This is not for the revolution. They don't care. They don't give two hoots. Uh, Stormtroopers, the battle armor is desirable, but also they're idiots. So Very true. Terrible aim, exactly. too. Terrible. Give and take. Um, and then I think Steve Jobs and Bill Belichick are equivalent, and then Achilles and Batman are pretty equivalent, but the U.S. Uh, soccer team is what's what uh, what splits it for me. Noah, big shout-out, Noah. He always asks great questions. The year is 2022. Locked on. NFL draft is go- still going strong with Trevor and Ben as the host. You just finished seeing Into the Spider-Verse sequel on opening night. You see there's a voicemail on your phone. You just got offered... A scouting job for an NFL team. Oh, let's say the Tennessee Titans. Do you take it? Keep in mind that if you do, you will no longer be able to do the Lockdown NFL Draft Podcast, which means no more fan-freaking-tastic Fan Fridays. Well, firstly, not going to be voicemails on phones in 2022, let's be honest. It's going to be be, like mind messages? Floating head messages recorded. Okay. You know, magic. Futures. Talent. Already communicators. Thanks, I hate um, it. Right. Obviously, you can never know, but like I work from home in my pajamas. I don't have to drive everywhere, and I have a dog. And in 2022, I have a wife, and like I want to stay home. Um, so like it, it, like a scouting, you know, scouting assistant job is great for when you want to break in the league. But yeah, I don't know. It's weird. For, it's weird for me to say this, but that's that's a young man's game. Uh, you know, and and, and I um, I'm obviously still young, but probably no. Um, yeah. That being said, you know any teams who are listening 
don't feel like that's a hard no. You know, like it's it's you have to understand it in context. You have to yeah, know what's going to be situation. It, it definitely there's a lot of context and situations that would have to exist in 2022. I I love this job. I really do. But getting to work for a team, I know a lot of people who work for teams and yeah, it's a little weird cuz like I couldn't write all I couldn't write all these opinion pieces, you know, I couldn't have the same exact personality on Twitter and things like that, which I really very much enjoy. But also there is something really cool about working for a team, you know, that that kind of aspect of that tight-knit camaraderie within an organization and that's something I've seen people really really enjoy and so that would that would definitely be interesting to me. I'd think about it. Um I know scouting though, man, it's a tough job. Big respect to a lot of those guys who are just traveling around the country day in and day out, staying at all kinds of different hotels, not seeing their family for like months on end. That would be the, t- the part that is pretty difficult, but working for a team, only 32 NFL teams in the world, right? If you get an opportunity to work for one, that's a pretty special thing. So it, it would be cool, but even if I would take it, man, I would very much miss this podcast and very much miss working with the guys I get to work with. And so I would still do the podcast with you, just we wouldn't publish it. We would yeah, just answer oh, oh, we questions just- that we made up. Yeah, we'd keep it as like unpublished. Like it'd be a secret podcast that nobody would know. We'd have aliases and stuff. Tyler asked, where did the three sides minimum rule originate? Besides the Ten Commandments, because I said it was the Ten Commandments where it came from. And why get three sides and fill up on those rather than get more delicious barbecue? Tyler, it's a great question. It's a great question. Normally, I am very much a man who says, look, forget the dressed up parts of the meal right just give me more of the main course give me more of the steak give me more of the chicken the burger the the whatever it is i don't need the extra stuff but with barbecue barbecue as ben was talking about soul food early on in the podcast it's kind of along those same lines man it's an experience and when you get good barbecue you have to fulfill the experience and so much of what goes into barbecue is great sides because depending on what barbecue place you go to around the country around the south mainly they all do their sides a little bit different but all of them seem to have that family recipe kind of side where you go oh man you can't go to this barbecue place without having this they kill they own this side and so that's why i'm always like when you get barbecue You've got to try out what they do best, and you always have to make sure that your stomach and your soul is not robbed of the full experience of what is good barbecue food. That's why it's three sides minimum. A lot of places are, hey, you get a meat, you get two sides. All right, I don't care. I'm ordering the extra third size. I'm here to satisfy the soul. It's not just about putting the food in your stomach. It's about a rejuvenation. That's why we have the three sides minimum rule. All right. Which three sides do you go for? Like, do you have three go-to sides? So I know, like, I know a lot of people hate coleslaw, but coleslaw can sometimes be good. And I also think Correct it's, take. it's often a barbecue staple. So I will often try coleslaw when I go. However, baked beans are also a big go-to for me. Mac and cheese, whenever they have it. I love three collards. Collards are good. So... No, there's, coleslaw, there's, baked beans, mac and cheese. That was the correct answer. Yeah, that's normally what I go with. And then, like, if if, if I can tell that the, the coleslaw is not going to be good, I'll go for, like, you know, some sort of tots or, I like I said, I like collards. They're in there, too. I don't know if I consider uh, banana pudding to be a side. I kind of think that's a dessert. 
So yeah, that's where we are on there. But those are normally my three sides that I go with. So if you see me doing pictures, if you, any of you out there listening, if you ever go to a barbecue place, order three sides correctly and tweet it at me, tag me with a picture, y'all know the rules, three sides minimum. I will see you. I will respond. I'll probably it's smash retweet on QT. it. I'll probably smash it. All right, last question for today. James asked me this on Instagram, so I wanted to make sure I got it out there. Instagram? He did, We are yeah. a multimedia podcast. I know. Brother. He said, hey, man, was hoping to get a question in on the Fan Friday. Was wondering what your and Ben's teams would need to do for you to not be a fan anymore. Like move locations or make a terrible oh, wow. decision. And then he uses the example, like trade up for Mitch Trash Bisky or something like that. P.S. Huge fan back in Australia. Now still always listening. He said, go birds. Shout out, James. Thank you so much oh, for, wow. uh, for reaching out and, and getting in on the podcast. We really appreciate you listening. I've always said that, look, man, if if you are from a hometown, like I'm from mm-hmm. the Tampa area, if if the Bucks were to ever move, like the Bucks moved to London, I, like I don't, I don't have to be a fan of that team anymore because a big part of being a fan, yeah, there's a lot of fun and like loyalty. Like even if you move to a different city, I understand when people want to keep their allegiances and stuff, but a cool part about sports is, I know this is not the case for everybody, but if you live in a city where there is a sports team, becoming a member of that community and getting to root for you know similar sports teams and connect with people who live in that area and all that kind of, that's a fun part of sports. And so I'm always like, look, if, if your team up and leaves out of where you're from, the community that you're from, you can honestly be a fan of whoever you want. It, it literally doesn't effing matter. It's it's sports. But I would always feel that way. If a team kind of up and left the community where you're at, I'd be like, yeah, you can just be a fan of whoever you want now. You could still be a fan of that team if you wanted, but that would kind of right. be my thing. If they ever left, that, that'd be my biggest draw away from the team. Yeah, my thing is, is like, so let's say the Eagles traded away Carson Wentz, right? Like, I'd be sad. Mm-hmm. But I would remain a fan of the Eagles. Right. But then I would also be a fan of Carson, almost independent of where he went. Like, if he sure. became the starting quarterback in, like, New England or Dallas or New York, I still want to see him succeed. Because I've, I've you know, you have, a, you have, you grow up as a kid on fandom of a team. Um, but I think as you get older, you acquire fandom of individuals. You acquire a fandom of individual players. I loved Odell Beckham Jr. when he was in, when he played for the Giants. Wasn't supposed to, but... How could you not? He's electric and he's exciting and he's unique and he's fun. Um, so, like, what would it take to no longer be a fan of of, of the? I really think I'll be a fan probably forever. Like, you know, uh, if the organization did something really scurrilous uh, that I couldn't support from a from a, you know, being in the world, being a powerful, visible organization in the scope of you know the United States, the country, and the globe, then probably I, I, they would fall out of favor favor for me. But from a football perspective, this. You know, I don't know. I, I bleed green, and I probably always will. And, you know, if the team continues to – like, if the team were to be poorly managed and make bad picks and lose and lose and lose for many, many years, well, I'm a draft guy. I'll just believe every year that they're finally going to make good picks again. <laughs> you know, I kind of have that to fall back on. Um, so it would have to be something outside of the realm of football, right, for me to really, I think, um, uh, fall off the Eagles bandwagon. But, like, I don't know. Fandom – is increasingly becoming individualistic and not, uh, you know, that cult mentality, that tribal I've mentality. That too. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm a fan of the Eagles, but 
I'm probably like a bigger fan of Malcolm Jenkins, to be frank. You know, I guess like the context is different. Like on Sunday at 2 p.m., I'm not a biggest fan of Malcolm Jenkins. I'm the biggest fan of the Eagles. But like on average, you know, I'm probably a bigger fan of of some of the individuals on the team. And that's yeah. the cool thing about specifically being an it. Eagles fan is they they tend to bring in really good guys, and that's mm-hmm. easy to root for those players. All right, there we go. Really long Fan Friday this weekend. I know we missed a couple of Fan Fridays in the past, so there you go. Made up for it. Went over an hour this time. Hopefully, we got to... Oh, did we, we really? Jeez. Yeah, we didn't even get to uh, all of the questions for you guys, so um, make sure that you are listening to next week's episode. If you have one that we didn't answer that's a little bit evergreen, feel free to fire it off again. Hopefully, we'll get it to it that time. A lot of great football to watch this weekend both in college and the NFL. Of course, we have the battle of QB1, LSU, and Alabama this weekend. Very exciting stuff there. Ben and I will be back to talk about all of it on Monday. Until then, you guys keep it locked right here on Locked On NFL Draft.